Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Garibaldi Red podcast from Nottinghamshire Live on Nottingham Forest, where uh, I'm really, really pleased to say that we're joined by a former Reds manager and the manager of, uh, well, anyone who listens to this podcast will know it's my absolute favourite Forest team. So the former gaffer of that team is Paul Hart. So thank you so much for joining us, Paul. It's a pleasure, Matt. Thank you. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Forest in a minute, but I mean, how are you finding lockdown life in moment at the moment as a football manager who's probably not been in the house this much for so many years? Yeah, but my wife will say that my life hasn't changed since the lockdown. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty useless around the house. Um, but I'm, I'm no, we're fine. We 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 live in a very nice uh, place, and we have the luxury of a garden, which you know. An awful lot of people don't have, and uh, uh, so we, we we really appreciate where we are and what we're doing. And uh, we're, it's tough, but we've got to see it through. True, true. Um, so when we talk about your time at Forest, I suppose it's important to go back to when you got the job as manager. And I just wonder, I mean, did you really want the job? Because you hadn't been a manager for quite a while after managing Chesterfield, and you'd had a lot of success as a youth coach at Leeds and then Forest. So so how did you end up actually as the manager of Forest? David Platt was was the uh, manager prior to uh, uh, me getting the job, and he had been approached by England to mm. work with the under twenty threes, and so it left an opening. And I was approached at, at that time. Uh, uh, there was a, a board, and uh, you know, Sir David White was on it. Uh, Eric Barnes, and uh, things were uh, slightly, I would say, more democratic. Uh, and But in the background was Nigel, who was obviously funding an awful lot of what was going on. You know, he, he funded David uh, through the two years and uh, stuff like that. So he was there. But at that point, I was uh, I was approached by the board and, uh, and asked, and uh, and. A, Two years previously, we'd been uh, relegated back to the um, uh, championship, mm. uh, and we we'd hit an awful lot of debt uh, by that time. So my my remit at the point where I was asked to be manager, and and yes, I I did want to be manager of Nottingham Forest. Who wouldn't? It's a, it's just a fantastic club, and mm. having been around Nottingham Forest for such a long time, living in Nottingham f- now for. I think uh, 37 years or something like that. Uh, and the two years I'd had with with the uh, and with the players that were there and the manager, obviously, um, I, I just loved the place. I came back as an academy manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we'd done really well. We were we were making great strides in de- in youth development. 
but my brief was was pretty tough. You know, it's to uh, reduce the wage bill by I don't know four million and mm. uh, bring in some money as well and try and remain competitive. How hard were those? early months when you've got to shed players and, you know, you lose a lot of experience. You're bringing in youth that you know, but it can't be easy as a manager, can it? No, it wasn't easy. I, I knew, uh, I think I said at the time to everybody, you know, to all our supporters, this season would be the, uh, like a roller coaster. You know, it's going to be up and down. And I think it proved to be that way. Uh, we had a lot of players under contract, uh, senior players, and uh, and I wanted to put my money where my mouth was I had a great belief in the in the kids and uh, and I just I knew we needed uh, a little bit of experience to help them on but I was also very confident in their abilities and so the first year was was tough um, and of course we lost JJ uh, Christmas to to Newcastle we, we, we needed the money uh, yeah. so I was told so but uh, we got through it you know, I think we finished halfway up the table, and uh, it gave me a chance then to do some work with the kids. I thought would would benefit us. When you were a youth coach with those kids, what was the key to your success? Were you? I mean, I've read stuff with JJ saying you were you were hard on him, but in a good way. Was it horses for courses with each player? No, but it was. Uh, well, one thing we didn't have was favourites. It was mm. uh, uh, we had structures boundaries and uh, and I demanded certain things I wanted them to succeed gave them the sort of environment that I felt would would enable them to do that you know I'd already done it at uh, at Leeds United you know produced uh, a group of players that uh, went on to play in Europe and and the uh, and the premiership and and it didn't change much from the way I worked with them who were your influences as a coach? Uh, what, who would you taken a bit from each manager well, as a player? Or? Yeah, a little bit. So I, I started in an era where coaching, as we know it now, didn't really exist. You know, you yeah. you you learnt from your teammates and you picked things up and you developed and you made decisions that you stood or fell by uh, on the pitch. But um, I would say Brian Clough because. He was a great coach, and not in the formal sense as we know it now. He didn't he was on the pitch waving his arms around and all that, but you you knew your jobs, and uh, and that's what I tried to uh, get over to people. You know, tried to tell them exactly what what was required minimum, so the basics were were instilled, and um, and he uh, he was a a great. Man manager, I would, I could never get anywhere near his uh, expertise, but uh, it was good. And then Howard Wilkinson gave mm. me, I played, I, I left Nottingham Forest as a player and went to Sheffield Wednesday, and he he gave me a look at coaching the way we see it now. So mm. preparation, organisation, uh, and uh, development on the pitch. He encouraged me to to do my A license uh, while I was still playing. And um, he, he formalised all my thoughts. Where um, and from there, it allowed me to set up my own structures. I, I'm a great believer in structures and boundaries, and uh, uh, so I, I would say those two were of the greater influence to me than anybody else I can think of. 
So <laughs> that first season, as manager, you finish 16th in the table and you blood. Uh, Williams plays a lot. Reed plays a fair bit. Uh, you lose. I think you lost Stern John, who scored 15 goals, I think, and for about 100 grand to Birmingham. You lost Rogers and Andy Johnson uh, as well. So uh, can I ask, what were Rogers and Johnson like to manage? I've heard a lot about them, but they sound virtually unmanageable. Well, uh, deep down, they were good lads. And I don't think they would have pre- appreciated the tighter uh, yeah. sort of <laughs> boundaries that, that we put in. But they weren't bad lads. I, mm. I, um, I like them very much. you know. And of course, they had ability. They were either coming to the end of the contract or, or had other things. I, I had to make changes. I had to reduce the wage bill. Remember what I said right at the start? I had to reduce the wage bill. Mm. So it it looked when the experienced players went, it looked an awful lot different mm. in terms of on the balance sheet than it did prior to them, you know. And uh, uh, and and I thought I was getting in young players. Uh, I was bringing our players in. Yeah. Obviously, it was cheaper. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but I, with the greatest respect to everybody, I didn't think I'd lost anything in ability. So you go into this, the next season, which we all know obviously went so well, getting in the top six. What were your personal expectations of that season? How confident were you in, in the summer months going into the first ball being kicked? Uh, pretty confident in the fact that uh, I had a team that wanted to play the way uh, I wanted them to. So they were clued into it. Uh Slightly apprehensive because um, the way we wanted to play was high risk. Yes, I remember watching, yeah. Yeah, and and everybody was on the toes and it was high risk. And maybe if I'd, I often think maybe if if I'd have uh, changed things at times, uh, become less adventurous, we may have got a few more points and gone up straight away. But as it Mm. happened, I actually enjoyed watching them, <laughs> uh, and they kept me on my toes, you know. But they they were so courageous. Mm. They were so so courageous. From the goalkeeper, who we were, he was a great kicker of the ball. And we got him knocking the balls out to fullbacks, and I had to I had to swallow it when they zipped up when they when they were flying over in, in league matches over Jim Brennan's head and, yes. and all that. I had to, I had to swallow it and say, do it again. Do it again, <laughs> and and you know he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic. The two centre backs, you know, um, well, John Helder uh, at times, and then you know Dawson. We had to wait for Michael for a year to come on and all that sort of thing. The big thing getting uh, Des back, you know, mm. having having he hadn't played for twelve months. Yeah, yeah, amazing. You know, but he was amazing. He's an amazing man, and he was. How, massive. how did you? How, sorry to interrupt. How did you get Des back then? Uh, was, I think did I went round to trading or not? No, no, not really. No, I, I said I think we're going to have to get you fit. But he, he said, "Are you sure?" I think he's. <laughs> I said, "Nah." I said, "I'm sure." You know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. sure. And he was brilliant. Dawson, the season before, I looked up earlier today. He'd only played one game in yeah. your first season so how, how did you know as a manager that he was ready to play such a big part the next year or did you not know do you think yeah I did know I, I, I'd i been working with him since he was 13 mm. I saw I knew nearly everything about him in terms of character and uh, uh, mental strength and stuff like that so I 
he was the least of my worries going into the, going into the first team. Mm, mm. Is he? If, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent now. Is Dawson a future manager? Do you think from what you see from him uh, now as an experienced player? I think he's got a great personality, and I, I don't know about his coaching skills because I haven't seen him. Uh, but I would think uh, I would think he, he he may be thinking that way, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did become a manager. His personality is fantastic. He is never beaten. He made even me sit up that year uh, in things that he did for such a young boy. Yeah, well, do you mean those long, long passes out to the wing? Well, the great passes, and we, we worked on an awful lot on that, and he was perfect mm. at it. I, I can remember my visions, and my memory's not great anymore, but and my visions are when Dawson gets it out of his feet and he's, he wangs it across to Jim Brennan, who receives mm. it on the full, going, yes. going over the halfway line. It was, yeah. it was amazing. You know, it's fantastic to watch, and... Uh, uh, you know, and then we had two fullbacks mm. who were lightning. You didn't actually start the season that well. You went to Portsmouth, who ended up getting ninety odd points, and then you win one out of the first seven. Was there ever any doubt in your mind about the young players and the way it was going, or did you still retain that total faith after a, after a slightly? No, start? I, no. I said to them after that game because we played a uh, sorry, we played a, a back three to try and mm. cope with uh, Merson. And uh, it almost looked like somebody had sent the team through because they, they knew exactly what we were doing. So I said to them after the game, I was really annoyed. So I said to them after the game, I said, I'm going to take that one for you. I'll take responsibility for that game. That's my fault. Down to me. No more. You've had it. You, you know, you've had your, you get cracking now. You know. So, but they were the most courageous bunch. To play, mm. to play the way we played uh, is about courage, you know. You can put your head in, you can be brave in terms of getting physical and all that. But real courage, receiving the ball in situations that we received it in from midfield and all that, that's that's proper courage. Were you ahead of your time, especially in championship football? You talk about, I mean, you know, balls knocked into Gareth Williams's feet under pressure and stuff like that. You didn't see that at that time, did you, in the championship? Were no. you, you ahead of your time? I don't know. I, I, I'd been working with the Diamond for 10 years prior to that with uh, Leeds United's uh, team that won the FA Youth Cup in the in the 96. So we've been working with that. So I, I knew, I knew, I don't know where I got, I don't know where I got it from. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't invent that, that style. <laughs> but, uh, but I honed it to what I thought it, you know, it should, should look like. And uh, um, I had, no doubt, it was different. I mean, I remember Sheffield United, but uh, I know we're probably going to go on to Sheffield United. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Sheffield United came to players, um, and they couldn't work out the diamond. Mm. They couldn't work out. So I remember their centre forward trying to stop our fullbacks uh, breaking. It was, and we passed them. You know, they couldn't work it out. And I'll I'll, I'll tell further stories further down the line uh, about about that game. Uh, but um, it was a, you know, it was a joy. I think of the, some of the games that we played, you know, where Derby County at home and Stoke City and mm. uh, where, you know, Norwich. So, I, I couldn't work it out either. You know, it was just fantastic. <laughs> it was fun. It was brilliant. You know, I know. I, just, I remember. I just loved, I to, yeah. I used to sit in the... Um, Brian Clough stand and oh, right. students at the time. I remember watching Darren Ward's short goal kicks and just yeah. like heart and mouth yeah. every time. Oh, 
This is yeah, crazy, but, but it worked. But we, we, we went with everybody. We, we, I had a great staff as well. Ian Bowyer, uh, Liam O'Kane, Ian McParland. Everybody was clued into the same thing. And, you know, there was no more courageous player than Ian Bowyer. Uh, and he knew all about it. So I was, I was well backed up by my staff who, who I'm sure their heart was in their mouth as well at times, but it was just the way we're going to go. So that was it. After that slightly slow start, you go on an 11-game unbeaten run. I think David Johnson scores about 10 or 12 goals in that time. What clicked with Jono, do you think? Because he hadn't done a lot for Forrest to that point, had he? It wasn't all uh, smooth sailing with me and David. No. Uh, but I, I knew there was a player there. I'd seen him when he was a kid mm. uh, at Man United. And I you know, I knew there was an awful lot in there that hadn't been prized out yet. And I think he, he got fed up because I'm not sure. I don't think, I'm not sure if I played him in the first game at Portsmouth. But but he was fed he, he was fed up of being on the bench or, or sitting in the stand or whatever. And uh, I just got it. I just, it just worked out. We got him at the right time where he was hungry again. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was fantastic. He scored one of the best goals I've ever seen against Ipswich at home uh, our keeper belted it straight down the pitch he went over the centre half's head bounced once and so their keeper was coming out studs up mm. and everything and Johnson launched himself head first and head yes, in I remember. do you remember, I remember it it was yeah, I do, yeah. uh, that is still uh, honest to God that is an example of real bravery you know mm. it's fantastic mm. after that you go on another little sticky spell over Christmas, which can the season can fall apart, and then you go on another good run, and Harewood suddenly comes alive, and he gets I think twelve goals in ten games. What was it like with? Because not not every team has two strikers that bang goals in. Was it hard to manage them? I, I've heard they were quite yeah. competitive with each other. David, to a degree, managed Marlon to a degree, and right. so uh, they were great together. They had a you know. I don't know if they were huge friends off the pitch, but they certainly got on on it. Marlon responded, responded, and the competitiveness about scoring goals, you know, and and Howard's pace was electric, you know, mm. he was phenomenal. He, he could give people starts and and do them. The pitch went a bit over Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was a bit, it got a bit heavy and muddy, and the game that brought us back, I think we went to West Ham and played them in the FA Cup. And oh, you lost two, yeah. And they had one of these new decile pitches, which mm. is like part grass and part uh, synthetic, and that brought us back because we got playing on a decent surface, and uh, mm. and we came back strongly after that. I remember watching Harewood for a while, perhaps before you were manager, and he wasn't. The fans were on his back. I remember that Andy Reid looks more like John Robertson <laughs> than a typical winger. Johnson had struggled. Did you kind of love a bit of a reclamation project as a manager trying to resurrect a player who was faltering or not? No, I didn't see it that way at all. Andy Andy, and uh, I'd known them by now for nearly five years. I'd mm. worked with Marlon as a kid and with Andy. Brought, you know, he came in. He was in just before. He, he was in the club, at I think, at 14 and a half, 15. It's amazing. And, and Andy Reid is still the strongest uh, mentality I've I've worked with, you know, he's, he, he was a wide player, but he was more effective in, inside. But you know, he could use him anyway. He could play centre forward. He was a smashing player. And, and Marlon, Marlon, just we just needed faith. Mm. You know? mm. 
Andy Reid's my favourite Forest player ever, I must admit. Yeah. I remember there's a game, and you, you might remember it. I think it was the Coventry game or one of the home games where he ran down the wing. And obviously his build, he didn't look like he was going to be a great athlete. But he ran past about six players and he crossed it in. I think it was a 4-0 against someone. It might have been Stoke. And someone scored. And his ability, to me, was second to none. I mean, how naturally gifted was Andy to go with that determination? He, he was... He was really gifted, but, but you know, I talked about the mentality of those players to receive mm. balls. He was the epitome of that. He would have it anywhere, you know, and uh, and he could do things with it. He was prepared to make mistakes. He wasn't fearful of uh, mistakes, you know. And I just said to him, "You make a mistake, you go and you get it back as quickly as you can." Mm. And uh, he's uh, he was hard to work with. He was tough. I remember taking him uh, across the car park to the office for, the, for his new to sign his first professional contract, and he was giving me stick about uh, not playing the week before. He was giving <laughs> me a he was giving me a hammering, <laughs> but, he, but he was a good he was a good lad, and, and um, we're pretty close now. Mm. Uh, all these years after, you know, most of them have, have been terrific. Was um... Williams was another one I liked. Was he the most yeah. important player in the team in a way? Because he was the one, if he wasn't playing well, he kind of made you tick a bit, didn't he, Gareth Williams? He was. He was. He's a classy, he was a class act. And uh, uh, again, I'd brought brought him in as, as a kid from Scotland into uh, into Nottingham Forest and uh, seen him develop, you know, again, a strong mind, you know, not always easy to, to manage, but strong mind mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, but doing what we need on that pitch, you know, in the in the tight situations, he'd have it anywhere. Mm. You, you go on to finish the season well, going into the playoffs with Huckabee coming in. Um, I mean, what the thinking behind that signing? Because he was a striker. Did you wanted to play all three of them together, Huckabee, Johnson, and Harewood? Did you? The the number ten uh, position, the the one that's just off the front two. We'd not always um, got what it looked like. And even when we brought Darren in, it wasn't quite the way I saw number 10 playing. But he had such electric pace. We had we had Johnson, Harewood and Huckabee mm. with pace to burn. I mean, it was frightening to, you know. And we, I, I don't know what the goal tally is, but we, I, we, I think we scored a lot of goals when he came in. How, how did you get him? Because he was... Pretty good, pretty proven Premier League player. Do you remember how the yeah. came about? Obviously, I can't remember how I was first uh, alerted to it, but um, uh, but we knew it. We knew about him. We knew of him, and we knew that that if we could get him playing, that pace would be uh, frightening. We just thought he would give us that extra body going, you know, going into the playoffs. Yeah. So we go into the playoffs, and we all know. Well, obviously, you know what happened. What were your emotions going into the playoffs? Did you, because you talk about the mentality of the players, you must have been confident that they could have come through and gone up. Then I was confident in them, never over, never uh, in a in a an arrogant way. But we we were confident that we could play against Sheffield United and uh, and beat them. And um, we went a goal ahead, and then very shortly afterwards. Uh, I think it was a penalty, wasn't it? On, on, uh, yeah, Matty, I think so. Yeah. Matty stuck his foot out and he dived and he got a penalty. And interesting enough, it was uh, Clattenburg's, one of Clattenburg's very first games. Mm. And uh, uh, later on in the game, 
I think on 65 minutes, Michael Dawson committed his first foul of the game and yeah. got sent off. Yeah. Clattenburg, uh, uh, I, I mean, I will say, I, I, he's not my cup of tea. Um, mm. I'll go as far as that. Uh, wouldn't listen to any sort of appeal after the game or anything like that. Obviously, that was a huge loss going into the second leg. Uh, and, But more than that, considering he'd only committed his first foul after six, five minutes, I don't think it was violent conduct or or whatever. But, you know, that's my opinion. And I, I suppose you would say, well, he would say that. Hmm. But that was a massive uh, break for Sheffield United. I hated that Sheffield United team. I don't want to mean, I've, I've, of all the football teams I've hated, I, like, especially Warnock. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice, he might, well, he might not be a nice bloke, but it felt like a battle of good versus evil to me going into it, the, with the stars of play and the kind of attitude of the two clubs. Did Was that ever a factor? Was there a big rivalry there or was it treated as just uh, another game with a big uh, prize at the end? Well, I think we did treat it as a, another game because if, I'll tell you something in a minute, uh, but uh, Neil Warnock's okay. Neil Warnock's yeah. okay. In the second leg, I think it was probably hardly noticeable, but we we decided we would. We thought they'd uh, try and do something to a diamond, so we went very direct mm. for about twenty minutes. In you know, in back in beyond turn, turn, turn them, which was not our style, but it you know we. We, we were we were ahead in the game. We we we'd uh, we'd made them do something different, and we, we went on and you know we uh, we, we got two 0 up, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, two 0 yeah. Two 0 up, and um, uh, and we'd done something different. We eventually went back to a diamond in in that game, but we were uh, um. If you look at the goals that go in, there's about 9,000 ricochets by the look of it. I know. They're all over the place. So, anyway, we went into that game confident, but in a diligent, with a diligent mindset to get the job done. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't. But uh, I I think, you know, those boys were fantastic. I I seem to remember uh, in extra time in the second half, I think we must have had three chances and two of them cleared off the line and all that sort of mm. you know we never never stopped and I must say and John Thompson came in to uh, uh, to replace Michael Dawson and I thought Thompson was excellent that night he was absolutely excellent another one another one of our kids brilliant mm. obviously it's a it's a disappointment uh, that yeah. you, you lose goals but but I never doubted the fact that we would be still there with uh in extra time, giving it everything, and and I, I don't think anybody could say that they didn't. They were fortunate. I felt in in the second mm. half of extra time that night. What could you say, Stes Walker, after the game with his own goal? Obviously, he scored an own goal at Wembley before. Is there anything you could say <laughs> as a manager to such an experienced nah. pro? No, nah. he uh, he wouldn't have wanted anything. We just, you know, these things happen. There's nothing, mm. you know. Uh, Des had been absolutely magnificent. So, no. No, it was... Uh, we had to get through it whichever way we can as individuals and as a team and, and then recover. Could you bring yourself to watch the final? I know Sheffield United were well beaten in the end. Could you watch that game or not? No, I don't think I did. No. Do you know, do you know what I did, though? Um, uh, on 
on the Sunday after after the game, uh, my wife and I uh, got in the car and drove to Skegness. Now we've never been to Skegness ever before <laughs> in life, and we it was it was a drive in in utter silence. So we got to Skegness, and we got out for a walk, and we got confronted by a group of Derby County fans. Oh no! Yeah, so it, was, it was all right. They weren't. You know. So I, I said, "Oh, Gordon Bennett, you know." So we got back in the car. We'd only been out five minutes and drove back. But that day, <laughs> that day, we bought our first dog. <laughs> and and he was a belting dog, you know. And uh, I think we, I think we, you know, we, we were dog, we are dog lovers. We've had dogs before. But uh, we, um, uh, I think it was to, for somebody else to be alongside us to take some of the pain. <laughs> now, this is an entirely hypothetical question, but I've often... And you must have wondered what would have happened if that team had gone up and where Forest would be now, given the young talents and everything. What what do you think would have happened if you'd have gone up through the playoffs that year? Well, what would have happened was the, uh, if I can say, conveyor belt of young players would have continued. Hmm. We were we, we were now, uh, people in Nottinghamshire, parents and all that, were were convinced that, you know, this was a, that they could see a pathway to the first team. Everything was there in place. Uh, to produce more young players, um, I, I don't know how we'd have done in the Premiership. Um, uh, maybe we, we we may have had to change our shape slightly to to combat uh, some of the teams that are playing. But uh, I mean, we'll never know. But I, th- I think we'd have coped as a club uh, overall. How are you going to next season? Because that season's known as a bit of a bit of a disaster in a sense uh, obviously you, you moved on but you actually started the next season really well and then Johnson got injured ironically against Sheffield United how were yeah. your reflections on that season yeah well we we lost five players in the summer basically mm. uh, we had to reduce the wage bill we were we were I was told to reduce the wage bill we can't pay uh, the likes of Sinica and uh, uh, Louis Jean and uh, Brennan and all you know there was the heart was taken out of the team. And I think the first two signings we made, uh, which were on our radar, because we we felt we were a little bit short-staffed going through the Christmas period. So the two players, Danny Sonner and Gunnison, were signed uh, as cover for those suspensions and things like that. Mm-hmm. It ended up, I think they played more games than anybody yeah. in the end. Yeah. But uh, it... But we were fourth when David broke his leg. I think we were fourth in the league, playing a four-four-two. So we come away from the diamond because we, you know, we haven't got, you know, all the players. You know, Ricky Simica was massive part of that that shape, mm-hmm. uh, and we were, you know, so we, we were trying different things, trying to get results, and we were hanging in. But David, David was a big David was a big loss to us, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big loss to Marlon as well. Mm, mm. Um, so uh, I think things started to turn a little bit after that, after we lost David. How did you feel during that summer when you come so close and then you're told you can't sign Huckabee and you've got to get rid of X, Y and Z? Do you even think about quitting or is that not, not part of your makeup as a person? No, I, I, I didn't think about uh, packing in. Uh, I, I love Nottingham Forest, but... Uh, you know, you you have to be an idiot if you don't see the right what what what's happening. 
you know, I go back to the fact that I was appointed by a board, a democratically, uh, uh, a democratic process, and mm. uh, that's how things change. I take it. Was that the best days of your career, playing or managing? Those you, you talk about those visions of Dawson pinging the ball and all that. Was that really the, uh, the housekeeping days of your career in football? Yeah, I I, I loved uh, the fact that uh, me and my staff got you know enabled a team to play that quality of football and be and win football matches with it in that division, which was a hard division. Mm-hmm. So I, I I can't say uh, anything other than uh, you know I think our supporters who anybody with half a brain if they look at a club's philosophy and try and follow it you know so uh, you can't go far wrong in terms of you know keeping your your supporters happy and uh, uh, I knew uh, ultimately that they would like games played that way whatever mm, mm. which which of those young players would you say is the best the right way of phrasing it I'm not sure because you had Jenis you had Prutton you had Williams you had Dawson yeah. was there one that you thought this guy's you know absolutely incredible or not no uh, well yeah I keep I keep the same uh, mantra uh, you know there were no favourites mm. um, they were fantastic and I put them in and I think around about 20 players made their debut over a period of two, three years or whatever it was from promoted from uh, the youth development squad and mm-hmm. it might not be as many as that but it's not far off and not one of them let us down. The club was geared to giving young players the, the uh, pathway to mm. yeah, to senior football. How pleased are you that that's continued? I mean, I think it's 100 players now have come through the academy. Forest do have this knack. That must be great for you yeah. to see now yeah I mean Nottingham Forest have always produced young players you know uh, Vivanis and Stephen Hodge when I was around uh, mm. and more it's a wonderful football club what are you up to now I know you're working with Nathan Jones for a, a number of years are you still looking to get back into the game if football ever resumes well maybe I, this uh, I'm going to see how this lockdown goes and see what I feel like halfway through it whether because this is retirement, really, isn't it? It's am I am I geared up to retire? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think my wife would answer that, but not uh, uh, there might be one or two swear words in it. <laughs> is it. Your enthusiasm for the game never wanes, then, does it? Pretty, pretty I, I like I, I, I like football. I'm, I am fortunate that a lot of those players that we talk about keep in touch, you know, and uh, and look at how well. JJ and David uh, Putner doing with the television slots and mm. Marlon Harewood's in a business and doing brilliantly. David Johnson has stayed around football, uh, one of the, one of the top scouts now. Um, mm. um, Andy Reid now embarking on his own uh, coaching career. Jim Brennan has called me from Canada. There's an awful lot of that team that are actually in and around football, and I'm very proud of them. Well, it's been a great pleasure talking to you, Paul. I'm very grateful. I hope you've enjoyed looking back on that season. It's been fantastic. Um, Thank you, Matt. If people, as usual, the usual plug, please do like and subscribe on uh, YouTube. Give us a good review, hopefully on Apple iTunes and do listen on Spotify. I am on furlough, unfortunately, for three weeks now. This is the way of the world. So 
we've all got to do our bit and uh hopefully i'll be back in a few weeks we'll see what happens with the podcast but i'll keep people posted and we'll be back as soon as we can so hopefully this has lifted everyone's spirits and i'll catch you soon thank you goodbye thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening Thank you.